Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. Amen. Amen. I'm going to be turning to Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 38. I want to give honor to Pastor Vasquez and Bishop Wilson for this opportunity. It's always an honor and a privilege to stand behind this pulpit where many great anointed men of God have stood before. Amen. Matthew 9, verses 35 through 38. If you've found it, say amen. The Bible says, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then he saith unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. I want to preach on a simple subject tonight. Um, the title of this message is The Problem with the Harvest. The Problem with the Harvest. So why don't we pray over this service, the rest of the service. Why don't we join together and pray right now. In Jesus' name, Father, we thank you for your word, God. We thank you for everything you've done for us. We thank you for the presence of the Lord that is in this room. And God, I'm praying right now in the name of Jesus that you would anoint me to proclaim and declare your word, oh God, with Holy Ghost boldness, with Holy Ghost anointing, with authority and power from on high, oh God. I pray that you direct every word. You orchestrate my thoughts, God, and let me say everything you want me to say. Nothing less and nothing more. God, give us ears to hear what the Spirit has to say and eyes to see what you have to show us. God, give us a mind to understand and a heart to receive your word, to perceive that it is you speaking and to believe it by faith in your name. I pray it in Jesus' name. Minister to your people tonight. Make us go to another level. Help us to grow to a greater level in you, Jesus. We need you, God, for without you, we can do nothing. I'm relying on you, God. I'm relying on you to move in this house, oh God. Speak to your people tonight and we thank you for it we give you the glory and the honor and the praise for you alone are worthy you alone are worthy come on lift up the name of jesus together right now hallelujah 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 in the mighty name of jesus you may be seated in the presence of the lord jesus was doing what he always has done and what we know him to do jesus was teaching the cities and and preaching in the synagogues preaching the gospel of the kingdom and he was healing every sickness and curing every disease among the people jesus was doing what he's famous for amen jesus was doing what what everybody knows him to do and he was doing what he said we also will do. For in John 14 and 12, he said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. Jesus was doing what Jesus did, but Jesus was also doing what he's calling us to do. Jesus has called us to teach and preach this gospel to every person in this world. Anybody we can get a hold of. Anybody that will listen. He's called us to preach this gospel and to preach it with signs following, with miracles, signs and wonders, with healings and deliverances, healing every person that's sick. Come on, somebody. Healing every person that's diseased. He has called us to do this. Yes, give him praise right now. He said, you're going to do these things. You're going to heal the sick. You're going to lay your hands on them and they're going to recover. You're going to lay your hands on them and the sickness will leave. You're going to do these things. Everything that you've seen Jesus do in the Bible, everything that you've read about, you are going to do it if you'll allow him to. If you'll believe on him. It said, whosoever believes on me, the works that I do shall he do also. But he did not stop there. 
He said that greater works than these shall you do because I go into my Father. In other words, I'm not going to stay here in flesh for, for too much longer. I'm about to go sit back up on the throne again and I'm going to put my spirit in you. Somebody say, I've got a spirit. I've got a spirit. I've got a spirit. He said, I'm going to put my spirit in you and because of my spirit within you, you're going to be able to do everything that I've done and you're going to do more than I've done. You're going to do greater things than I've done. You're going to do things that you've never imagined, things that you've never seen, things that you've never heard of. Do I have any believers in this place tonight? That's you. That's me. We're going to be the ones that do this. We have the capability because of who's in us, not because of our flesh, but because of the spirit that is within us. For greater is he that is within us than he that is in the world. We are going to do these things. And just as it happened with Jesus, when we begin to operate in the supernatural and when we begin to walk in boldness and preach and declare the word of the Lord, God is going to confirm his word with signs following and multitudes are going to follow after the real thing multitudes are going to start following after what what they see is real because they see God confirming his word time after time and this is what had happened to Jesus Jesus was preaching Jesus was healing Jesus was delivering and then he saw the multitudes the Bible says there were multitudes not just a multitude but multitudes that were following him and we're the, the end time church that you're in, the apostolic church that you're in right now is going to be just like Jesus. It's going to be followed by multitudes of people. Multitudes of people are coming into the church. Amen. That's what the Bible talks about. That's what the Bible says. Multitudes are coming. Harvest is coming. Revival is coming. And we've got to be ready. Amen. Jesus looks upon the multitudes that were following him. And the Bible says that he was moved with compassion upon them. He was moved with compassion upon them. And, and, and Wiley didn't tell me till right before he was about to preach that he was preaching on a subject very similar to mine. And the Lord knew that that was exactly what needed to be said because compassion is a form of love. Thank you, Brother Wiley, for obeying the Holy Ghost with that. He said he wasn't sure. He was, he was struggling. It's because the enemy was fighting against you. But you had a word for tonight. Your word is, is exactly what the Lord wanted to speak. You've got to have compassion on the multitudes just as Jesus did. You've got to have love for the multitudes just as Jesus did. You've got to have love even when you don't feel like loving. Come on. And so he had compassion upon them, the Bible says. The Greek word for compassion means to have the bowels yearn. His insides yearned for these people. His, his stomach twisted into knots for these people. You understand what I'm saying? His, his bowels yearned for the multitudes that he saw. The English definition of compassion means to have sympathetic pity and concern for the sufferings or misfortunes of others. So Jesus had sympathetic pity and concern for the sufferings and the misfortunes of this great multitude or these great multitudes. He had compassion. Everybody say compassion. He was moved with compassion upon the multitudes. But what was he having compassion towards them for? The multitude, the Bible says, had fainted. He said that he had compassion upon them because they had fainted. The word fainted in the Greek literally means to relax or faint. It means to relax or faint. And let me tell you right now, he said that the multitudes had fainted. It wasn't that they, would all, they were all fallen out and had passed out. Some of them may have been. But in reality, what was going on was they were relaxed and they were comfortable and they were complacent with where they were. And this complacency caused Jesus to feel sorry for their misfortunes and to feel sorry for their current predicament. He had compassion upon them because they were relaxed. Let me tell you, let me break it down this way. The world is relaxed in the midst of turmoil, even as I speak. The world is relaxed living everyday life while their souls are on the way to hell. Every person that you pass 
on the highway that's not been saved and there's a lot of them they're relaxed they're comfortable they're complacent they think everything is okay but in reality they're on their way to hell and they don't even know it Every person that you pass in Walmart, every person that you pass in the grocery store, every person you pass in the shopping center, every person you see in the football stadiums, in the basketball stadiums, in the soccer stadiums, every time you see those people, I can about guarantee you that about 95% of them are not saved and do not know the gospel and do not know the truth and they're on their way to hell. But look at them. They're having a good time. They're relaxed. They're comfortable. They're complacent. They don't know anything wrong but little do they know that at any moment their life could end and they could end up in hell they're relaxed but they're in a predicament they're relaxed they're fainted but they're in a problem and Jesus has compassion on these people and we the church the body of Christ must have compassion on the lost He had compassion upon them because they were fainted. And the Bible adds another thing. They were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. What does a shepherd do? A shepherd leads his sheep. He guides his sheep. He tells his sheep what to do and where to go. These people are fainted. They're relaxed. And they have no one to tell them what to do. They have nobody to come and tell them that they're in the wrong place. They have nobody to come and tell them that they're on their way to hell. And I'm not saying you have to go be ugly about it. I'm just saying you've got to go talk to somebody and tell somebody that Jesus is the way. And there's only one way to heaven. You can't have multiple ways to heaven. Straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leads into salvation. There is only one way. But these people don't know the way. They're scattered. They're all over the place. They don't know what to do. They're scattered and they're relaxed and they're comfortable how they are. Going to the bar, comfortable. Going to the club, comfortable. Buying some beers, comfortable. Buying some cigarettes, smoking on them all day, comfortable, complacent, don't feel like there's anything wrong with it. Sleeping around with all kinds of people, cheating on their spouse, and they're comfortable and they're complacent and they're relaxed. And they don't even know that there's anything wrong with what they're doing. They don't feel conviction. The devil's not condemning them because he's leaving them alone. He don't have to mess with them. He condemns the Christians that are trying to do right. But he he leaves those people alone because he's already got them. And they don't even know it. They're bound in a prison cell but they're comfortable come on is anybody with me tonight we must have compassion upon them for they're scattered as sheep having no shepherd they have nobody to lead them they have nobody to show them the way they have nobody to say hey you need to repent and you need to get baptized in Jesus name and you need to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues you need to live a life of holiness you need to live a life of righteousness you've got to get your life right because the way you're doing is not right you're scattered you're all over the place and you're relaxed you've got to wake up but they can't do it if they can't have a a shepherd where are the shepherds where are the shepherds We've got to have compassion. We've got to have that love. We've got to have that yearning from within that Jesus had for the compassions that are lost and hurting. For, 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 the, for, the, for those that are lost and hurting and dying in this world. We must have compassion on them and reach for them because they are scattered abroad having no shepherd to lead them. They don't know where to go and they don't even know that they are lost. I'm going to say it again. They don't know where to go. And they don't even know that they're lost. They're comfortable. They're complacent. They're stuck in their ways. But this was Jesus' whole mission. This is why he was there anyways. Was to seek and to save that which was lost. This is his whole mission. And if we want to see and do the things that Jesus did. And that he said we could and would do. We first must get a hold of Jesus' mission. We are still the body of Christ. We must still have the mission of Christ. His mission was to seek and to save that which was lost. His mission must become our mission every day. Next time you drive down the road, look at those people. 
pray for those people. See that those people are not living right. Next time you're walking to Walmart, look at all the people that are not living right. Look at all the people that are, that are bound to sin and they don't even know it. They're on their way to hell and they don't even know it. You've got to have compassion upon them. You've got to be having Jesus' mission to seek and to save that which is lost. Somebody say amen. amen. Hallelujah. We have to be on a mission to reach as many souls as possible. We can't stop until the whole world is reached. We must reach as much as possible. The word possible means able to be done. It's pretty revelatory, isn't it? Able to be done within the power or capacity of something or someone. So let me, let me break it down. I, I, we've got to reach as many as possible. But you think it's impossible to reach some of these people. You think it's too hard that, or that it's not possible to reach some of these people. Well, let me tell you this. It, it is able to be done through him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we can ask or think according to the power which, with, which worketh in us. And then the, the second part of that definition is that, that it's within the power or capacity of something or someone. The, the capacity. We have the capacity in this building and in that building. And if we pack out these buildings, we'll go, we'll go have service outside. We'll have multiple services. But capacity is not the problem. If we have to, we'll go old style. Well, like the like the book of Acts church and, and go house to house and preach the gospel house to house, which is what life groups is all about, anyways. We've got to be ready to reach the harvest. We have the capacity. We have the ability to do it, but we got to be we got to make ourselves do it come on power is not an issue part of the definition of possible was having the power of something or someone to be able to do it power is not an issue acts 1 and 8 the bible says but ye shall receive power after that the holy ghost has come upon you and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in jerusalem and in all judea and in samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth somebody say i've got power if you have the Holy Ghost tonight, you have power. And it wasn't just power to make you feel good. It wasn't just power to overcome sin. And yes, it helps you. But this power was to become witnesses. Everybody say witnesses. It's power to become witnesses unto him in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Jerusalem was their hometown. Judea was basically their county. Samaria was their neighboring city that they didn't like, their enemies. And the uttermost part of the earth is everything else. It's our job to reach as much as possible. And you can't say, I don't have the power. I don't have the ability. You do have the power. You do have the ability. But you've got to do it. And Jesus said, with men, this is impossible. So some of what you're thinking, it's impossible for me to reach this family member. They're reprobate. It's impossible for me to reach this, this, this sinner that I've tried to reach so many times. Well, Jesus said, with men, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. So when you, look, when you get to a situation that it seems impossible, that's when God is able to step in and make it possible. It's impossible for you, but it's an opportunity for God to show up and show out and get some glory out of the situation. It is possible. So go reach as many as possible. So the question isn't, is it possible to reach the people? The question is, why are we not doing it? Space is not an issue. Power is not an issue. Ability is not an issue. We are the issue. Can I get real with you? We're the issue. We're the problem. We are the problem with the harvest. Because the Bible says that the harvest is truly plenteous. But the laborers are few. We are the problem with the harvest. We must change. We've got to change our mindsets. We've got to change the way we see people. We've got to change our attitudes. We've got to get out of our sin. We've got to get out of our complacency and our comfort zones. We've got to wake up. Your business is not as important as that soul that's, that, that, that's trying to reach out to you. Your money is not as important as that soul that needs somebody to speak to them. Come on, somebody. Your, your, your finances, your car, your clothes, your food, whatever it may be, is not as important as reaching a soul.
We've got to understand that we are called with a great calling, with a great purpose. We're not just called to come to church and sit on a pew and do nothing. We're not just called to hear a good message every Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. We're called to go change the world. The Bible said in, I think it was Acts 17, you can correct me if I'm wrong, I believe it's Acts 17, that, that they said these are they that have turned their world upside down. They were pointing at a church congregation that had turned their world upside down. I wonder when's the last time that somebody said that about an apostolic church. Where are the world changers? Where are the people that are going to turn their world upside down? Are we just going to keep showing up to church and going home? Or are we going to do something? Church should be a, a reviving place for us where we can go out into the world the rest of the week and reach the lost. Come on. Hallelujah. There's no time to be playing around. We've got to be praying. It's time to reach the lost like never before. It's time to be the laborers that God is calling for. There's a problem with the harvest. And the problem is us. We are not the laborers that God needs. The harvest is truly plenteous. And we are about to see an unprecedented harvest of souls. It's going to be such magnitude that we've never seen it or imagined it before. God is going to do exceeding abundantly above all we can ask or think according to the power which worketh in us. He is ready and he is able and he is willing to fill every pew in this place and force us to build that other church and get into it. He's ready. He's willing. But there's no laborers. There's not enough laborers. I've heard it said many times that 20% of the people do 80% of the work in the church. Come on, we've got to step that number up. We need everybody to have their hands on something, as Bishop Wilson would say. Get your hands on something. Find something to do for the kingdom of God. Find somebody to reach out to. Quit just going through the motions when you come to church. Quit just going through the motions at work. Be mission-minded, be soul-minded, be harvest-minded, think harvest. Because the harvest is coming. Turn to your neighbor and say, the harvest is coming. Now, this is one of those things. I'm going to share a vision and a dream with you here in a minute. But this is one of those things that I don't have to have a vision and a dream to prophesy this to you. This is one of those things that the Word of God says clearly. And it's one of those things that, that is going to happen whether you want it to happen or not. But the Bible says many times over that the harvest is going to come. And that the harvest is ready. And, and that the, the latter house will be greater than the former house. And so what you've seen happen in the book of Acts is going to be greater in this end time harvest. In this end time revival. It's going to be greater. Does anybody believe that? Because the harvest is coming. Whether you want to or not, the harvest is coming. But the problem is that we're missing laborers. Are we going to be able to retain the harvest? Are we going to be able to keep the harvest? Are we going to be able to disciple the people that come in? Are we going to be able to train them and teach them and help them grow? Because it's coming. I'm going to go with my dream first. I had a dream. I'm not going to give the whole dream. I gave some of this to the staff the other day, but I'll I give you a very small portion of it. It's a very long, detailed dream. But I'll, I'll jump to the middle of it. I was, in the, I was in the church, and I was looking through the classrooms, and, and, and there was something happening there. They were getting prepared for something, and I was, it was like the Lord was showing me all these different classrooms in the back that they were getting prepared to teach young people. To teach new people, perhaps. I don't know. You can interpret it however you want it to be. But <clears throat> I'm, I'm in there, and then I'm down in the children's church, and all of a sudden I'm hearing our Bible study coordinator. He's talking to somebody on the phone, and he's saying, I've got to have space. I've got to have room. I need an office really bad. And, and this, everything's getting filled up, and I'm running out of time. I need a, a place to do my stuff. I need a place to teach these Bible studies. And he's concerned. You can hear it in his voice. So I walk up the, the stairs from the children's church, and there he is. And then Brother Ethan, our music director, was there. And, and he, they were both there. 
and they were both talking and I was, I come in the, in the thing and all of a sudden somebody opens the prayer room door and they said, hey, we've got a bunch of new kids coming. we got a bunch of little children coming and they were all from about pre-K to third grade. He said, they're coming, get ready, they're about to come in here. And so we're like, okay, I, what is this all about? And all of a sudden they opened both doors and I'm talking about a flood of kids came in. All kinds of colors, black and white, Mexican and, and Chinese and all, whatever you can imagine, they were all there and they were coming in and they were flooding in and all of a sudden we kind of got worried and we were nervous because there was all these kids running around haywire so I start running and shutting doors that they didn't need to get into you know I'm shutting doors I'm trying to find the doors that they didn't need to go to and and there's children running everywhere and more of our church people start coming in a little bit and they're saying whoa we gotta have help and I remember somebody calling their wife saying hey we gotta have you come over here we got too many kids we got too many people coming we need help we need help and people just started slowly coming in but there were too many children for us to handle on our own and I believe that one part of that it could be a dual meaning but I believe that one part of that is God saying there's new converts coming and there's new people coming it's about the flood and it's going to take you by surprise you're not going to be ready for it, so you better start getting ready. You start better. You, come on, you better start preparing for it. And I'm proclaiming this word to the church. There is a harvest coming. There are new converts coming. There's new babies coming into the church. There's people that's about to be born again of the water and of the spirit. And we've got to be ready to take care of these people and not let them go down the wrong doors. They need some shepherds. Touch your neighbor on the shoulder and say, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. Come on, tell him, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. I give you a vision I told my parents about just the other day. I, I had a vision that we were in Memphis. I don't know how I knew I was in Memphis, but I was in Memphis, and it's the first vision I've ever had, but I know it was a vision from the Lord. I was walking in here praying one day, and the Lord took me somewhere while I was praying, and he, and he took me to, to a, a house in Memphis, and the house had, had no walls on the front. I don't know why. It had no walls in the front. It was wide open. I walk into the house, and I see a man, a very evil, dark man that was, that was just awful. He was an evil person, but he was strapped up in a chair. He was strapped up with all kinds of ropes all around him, and he was strapped up in that chair, and he could do nothing. He couldn't get out. He just looked around wishing he could get out of there, and, and, and then I see something begin to shift in there. I see the ground begin to shake in there, and there's a shaking like an earthquake within the house. It's violently shaking, and I see chains on the walls all over. It looked like a place where people were just bound in there. People were just stuck in there, and I see chains pinned to the wall all over the place and as the ground began to shake I saw the chains begin to snap and the things that were held hostage by the chains started to shake loose it started to shake loose and come out to the opening of the house and things started to come out as it would break loose from the chains and all of a sudden I see these things spreading out from this house going every direction away from Memphis they were coming into the rural area they were coming into to other places and they were breaking free from their bondage and the Lord gave me a verse right after that. And he said to me, when a strong man armed keeps this palace, his goods are in peace. But when a stronger than he shall come upon him and overcome him, he taketh from him all his armor, wherein he trusted and divideth his spoils. And the Lord was telling me, I don't know if he is bound right now or he's about to be bound. But the strong man of Memphis is being bound in the name of Jesus. And when he is bound, there's a shaking in the spirit. I'm prophesying to you right now. There's a shaking in the spirit where things are about to break loose. Chains are about to break off of people. They were bound in the strong man's house, but the strong man's going to have to sit there and watch as people are exiting his house and coming towards the church. I'm telling you, under the influence of the Holy Ghost, the harvest is coming! It's on its way. Tap your neighbor again and say, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. It's coming, it's coming, it's coming. It's on its way. Just as sure as this word is going to come to pass, so the end time harvest is going to come. The problem is, and has been throughout the years, that there are not enough laborers. The laborers are few. 
The problem with the harvest is that the laborers are few. That's why he said to pray the Lord of the harvest to send forth laborers into his harvest. We've got to stop playing around and start praying it down. Come on, we've got to stop playing around and start praying it down. Pray the anointing down. Pray the glory down. Pray the harvest down. Pray revival into the church. Because you can't have harvest until you have revival within the church. The church people have got to experience a revival inside of them so that they can run out and reach the harvest. It's time to stop playing around and pray the harvest down and pray revival down. Come on, it's time to get into the prayer closet. He said, pray the Lord of the harvest to Send forth labors into the harvest. So why do we have to pray to the Lord to send forth labors into his harvest when he already knows that we need it? Some of you may wonder that. Some, some of you may be asking that. See, what you've got to understand is God does everything he does on earth through, by, and for mankind. Man has been given dominion over the earth, and God chooses to restrict himself according to what man will allow him to do and pray for him to do. In other words, we are his conduits for his power to flow through and his will to be accomplished through. This is the same reason he tells us to pray, thy kingdom come and thy will be done. He's a sovereign God. Yes, he is. He is in control. Yes, he is. But he has rules that he abides by. And he has people to pray for things to happen so he can answer those prayers. He will not violate his rules or what he has established here on earth. And man has dominion over the earth. That's why he said, pray the will of the Lord to be done. Pray for his kingdom to come. Because too often mankind wants their own kingdom and their own will to be done. I'm telling you right now that God's will is not always done. You want to know why there's so many babies being aborted and murdered? Because God's will is not always done. And there's not enough people praying for his will to be done. There's not enough laborers. You want to know why there's people falling into sin and stealing and cussing and, and drinking and, and sleeping around with people? It's because God's will is not always done. He's waiting on somebody to pray. He needs somebody to pray. That's why he was looking for a man to stand in the gap. That's why he's been looking for an intercessor. He needs somebody to intercede for this world, for, to intercede for these lost souls, and to pray for laborers to be sent forth into his harvest. He's not going to force anybody to go into the harvest. We have to have the desire for it. We have to pray for it to happen. He's not a forceful God. He's not going to make you do it. That's why he's not going to make you be saved. It's your choice. It's up to you. You've got to learn to pray. Is this okay? Is everybody good? I've got about three people. I'm going to preach to those three people for the remainder of this message. Amen. He's looking for someone who is willing. One who is willing to pray. One who is willing to do something. One who is willing to be a conduit. One who is willing to be a laborer. Is there anybody in here that says, Lord, I'm willing to be a laborer for the harvest? Jesus had one prayer request. He said, pray the Lord of the harvest to send forth labors into his harvest. You ought to be praying for Jesus' prayer request. Bypass all your prayer requests and everybody else's prayer requests and begin to pray what Jesus said to pray. He has one prayer request. Pray the Lord of the harvest to send forth labors into his harvest. And I'll tell you this right now. If you'll pray for labors, you'll get the burden for the harvest as well. You too will become a laborer for the harvest. This is not just telling God to get someone else to do it. If you're praying it sincerely with his heart, you're also telling him to make yourself a laborer. Come on, somebody. And maybe that's why we don't like to pray that. Because we know if we start praying it, we're going to get convicted and feel like we need to do something and feel like we need to reach somebody. So we bypass that prayer and we don't pray that prayer usually. We probably don't pray it once a week, a lot of us. But the Bible says to pray it. Jesus asked us, pray the Lord of the harvest to send forth labors into the harvest. For the harvest is truly plenteous. But the labors are they're few. They're few. They're few. There's not enough laborers to handle the harvest that's coming. 
I'll, I'll tell you this. If the whole church was packed out tonight and everybody in here was a soul winner, we still wouldn't have enough laborers to handle the harvest that's coming. You're going to be overwhelmed just like I was in my dream. There's going to be so many people and not enough laborers. There's going to be so many people that come that, that we, we're not going to know what to do with them. We've got to get ready. I'm speaking to you prophetically. I'm not saying I'm a prophet. I don't claim to be a prophet, but I'm speaking to you under the unction and anointing of the Holy Ghost. God gave this word for me to you tonight because he's saying you've got to be ready. The harvest is coming. You've got to be prepared. The harvest is coming. Come on, if you believe it, clap your hands into God. The harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. You want to know why there's so many or so few laborers? It's because labor takes work. It takes effort. And he wants people that are willing to give some effort and not just show up to church. He wants workers. He wants people that will get out of their spiritual comfort zone and do the calling of God that's upon their life and stop running from the call of God that is upon them. He wants people that will go out into the field and get their hands dirty for the kingdom of God. He wants it so bad that he put a prayer request in for it. He wants us to pray for laborers to be sent forth into the harvest. Everybody say send forth. Send forth. There's one word in the Greek that, that covers those two words, send forth. It is the word ekbalo. Everybody say ekbalo. The word ekbalo means to, to eject, to cast out, to drive out, to expel, to thrust out, to put, to put forth, to send away, or to send out. This same word is the very same word that is used when it says to cast out devils. Ekbalo, ekbalo devils, cast out devils. In this one, it said send forth, but it's the exact same word. Same word. So when Jesus said to pray the Lord of the harvest, to send forth labors into the harvest, he's saying pray the Lord of the harvest to cast out labors into his harvest. Just as a devil must be cast out of a person, we must be cast out of our comfort zone so we can be the laborers for the harvest. Because let me tell you something about the devil. The Bible says that when the devil is cast out of somebody, he goes into dry places seeking rest. That word rest is recreation. He's seeking rest. He's seeking recreation to see if he can find anything. And when he finds none, he comes back to his old house, sees that it's, it's furnished and garnished and cleaned up and swept. And he comes back in with seven uh, greater spirits than he was. And, and because the devil loves a comfortable home, the devil loves to be in a complacent place. He doesn't like to be cast out. He always is seeking a place of rest and recreation always seeking a place to faint seeking a place to relax and we often are just like the devil right we're just like the devil in many times because we find our little cozy place in our spiritual comfort zone and we don't want to leave and we don't want to grow and we don't want to go seek for souls to, to save. We don't want to talk to nobody. We just want to feel like we're okay because we come to church every Sunday. But that is not what the Word of God says. Matter of fact, the Word of God says that He's going to tell us if, if we live in iniquity and we don't do His will, He's going he's to say, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. I never knew you. We have to do what God has called us to do. We can't just show up for church and pay our our ties and do the good deeds we've got to do what God is calling us to do we cannot be like a bunch of devils sitting around in our lazy places we've got to step out of our comfort zones that's why he said pray that they be cast out into the harvest we have to be cast out into the harvest you can't be in your spiritual comfort zone and be doing the will of God at the same time it's time to change He's calling for laborers to be cast out, to be thrust out into the harvest. He's calling for people that will get their hands dirty in the field. He's calling for people to repent and go after the calling that he's destined them to. He's waiting on people to labor for the harvest. 
We can't be held hostage by our comfort zones. We can't be held hostage by our pride, not wanting to embarrass ourselves. We can't be held hostage by our insecurities or held hostage by peer pressure, wondering what my neighbor's going to think about me. Whatever God has called you to do, you get after it and go do it and quit worrying about what other people think about you. Quit worrying about what your neighbor's going to say, what your boyfriend's going to say, what your wife, your husband's going to say. Quit worrying about it. Do what God's called you to do, and God will take care of you. Quit worrying about your finances being gone God's going to bless you God's going to take care of you if you'll put him first the Bible says seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you everything you need it will be added unto you if you'll seek him first so we've got to step out and do what God has called us to do I'm coming to a close if the music wants to come If you're going to be a leader, a world changer, a difference maker, an overcomer, then you need to to step out of your past, step out of your comfort zone, and press forward with all you've got. You've got to press into the harvest. Before God casts you out, you might as well just go ahead and step out. Before God has to thrust you out and force you out of it because he doesn't like you sitting in that same place all the time, before he has to do that, why don't you just go ahead and step out and say, Lord, here I am. Why don't you be like the prophet in the Bible who said here I am Lord use me here I am Lord send me I'm right here God I'm a laborer for the harvest send me you just tell me the word and I'll go some of you are going to be called to mission to be a missionary some of you are going to be called to give Bible studies some of you are going to be called to lead a life group some of you are going to be called to preach behind the pulpit but you've all got a ministry everybody in this room has a ministry everybody from the youngest to the oldest to the most faithful to the least faithful You have a ministry, and you've got to go find it. Because the harvest is coming. Everybody say, the harvest is coming. coming. It's going to take labor. It's going to take labor. You don't just reap a harvest without laboring in the field. You can't just say, you can't just say, well, the harvest is going to come, so I'm going to sit here and wait on it. You've got to go labor for it. You've got to go labor for it. So why don't you stand right now? And we're going to pray for just a minute, and then we're going to have an altar call. You stay where you're at until I get done praying. But we're going to pray what God said to pray. Lord God, send laborers into the harvest. For the harvest is truly plenteous, but the laborers are few. God, send out laborers into the harvest. Cast out laborers into the harvest. Thrust them out of their comfort zones, God. Thrust them out of their their leisurely lifestyle. Thrust them out of their complacency, God. And put the harvest harvest on their minds, oh God. I pray in Jesus' name that you'd send forth labors into the harvest. Raise up in this very church the five-fold ministry of apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Raise them up, oh God. Raise up Sunday school teachers. Raise up Bible study teachers. Raise up life group leaders. Raise up jail ministers and prison ministers. Raise up be free drug addiction ministers and counselors. Raise up givers and ministers to the homeless. Raise up preachers and teachers. Raise up soul winners, oh God. Raise up prayer warriors, oh God. Raise up disciple makers, oh God. And let us be who this church is called to be. Let us be disciples and make disciples. Let us be disciples and make disciples, oh God. Send forth labors. Send forth labors. Cast out labors. Thrust them into the harvest, oh God. Send labors into your harvest. For the harvest is truly plenteous. But the labors are few. And as you make your way up to the altar, I leave you with a warning from the Lord. I leave you with a warning from the Lord. Don't let the harvest fall through your hands again. For the Lord has sent the harvest a few times. Not a great harvest, but a good harvest. And he sent it multiple times. There was a time just a few years ago that we had a hundred soul revival that had been prophesied about for a while. Over a hundred souls were baptized in the name of Jesus, but I can't tell you one that's still here right now. I can't tell you one that's still here right now. Because when God sent the harvest, we weren't ready. We were stuck in our comfort zones. We were not laborers for the harvest. And a hundred souls, I assume, 
a hundred souls are back in the world when God sent them here hoping he could trust us don't let the harvest fall through your hands again he has sent portions of the harvest and revival to our church in times past but so many times we let it split through our fingers as grains of sand and God is warning us right now we cannot let it slip we must be prepared because he is sending the harvest he is sending the harvest the harvest is plenteous it's not a problem with the harvest itself it's a problem with us the problem with the harvest is there's not enough labor it's time for the church to go into labor it's time for the church to go into labor and when the church goes into labor we're going to birth a revival and we're going to birth a harvest that we've never seen before come on it's time right now it's time right now to begin to pray it's time right now to begin to travail in the spirit if you've ever been an inter intercessory prayer warrior why don't you begin to intercede for some people right now why don't you let the holy ghost begin to move upon you right now to speak things into the atmosphere to speak things into this realm right now that we're in go ahead and begin to pray for it is time for the church to go into labor it's time for us to birth something when zion travails a harvest comes when zion travails it births the promises that god has spoken when zion travails miracles begin to happen when zion travails it's time to travail right now it's time to go into labor right now it's time to go into labor right now where are the laborers we're the ones that are saying god here i am i'll i'll go just send me god just send me i'll go come on we need to hear some people praying right now i'm done preaching it's time to pray it's time to go into labor he said, pray the Lord of the harvest to send forth laborers into the harvest. Your first job before you can even go out is to start praying right now. It's time to start praying. It's time to start go stop goofing off and playing around and start praying it down right now. Come on, let me hear your voices. Let God hear your voices right now. Like you're serious. Like you really mean it. Like you really want to see the harvest. And you're really going to give yourself to Him to be used however He wants you to. Right now, right now, right now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Send forth labors into the harvest. Thrust out labors into the harvest. God cast us out of our comfort zones. We've been stuck in our rut for too long. We've been stuck in our ways for too long. Thrust us out. Cast us out. Pull us out of this mess, oh God. Pull us out of our complacency. Don't let us be like a bunch of devils, oh God. But help us to press toward what you're calling us to do. Come on, it's time for the church to go into labor. It's time for the church to go into labor. Too many people are relaxed in this world and they don't even know they're lost. They're relaxed having a good old time in this world, but they don't even know that they're on their way to hell because there's not enough shepherds to guide them. There's not enough disciple makers. There's not enough laborers. Where are the laborers? The problem with the harvest is that there's not enough laborers. It's going to take labor for the harvest to come. It's time for the church to go into labor. Come on, can we pray together tonight?